0: The Myths of Selling to the Government. If you're using traditional sales techniques to sell to government, you're doing it wrong. The podcast is brought to you by Government Selling Solutions. Government Selling Solutions, selling and marketing to the government for years, quite successfully, thank you. Now, here's Rick. Hey, if we make this minor change for my government prospect, they'll buy. Everyone else will want it too, and we'll be rich. Have you ever heard that said in your company? Have you ever said it? No need to answer. I'm pretty confident the answer to both questions is yes. You've heard it, and you've probably said it. It's tough to finally get in the door, spend time with the prospect, then find out that your solution comes close, but doesn't offer a feature or capability your prospects say they want. So, You go back to the office tell the troops you've got a good shot at winning the deal you tell them it will lead us to larger sales more deals and make us all rich all we have to do is make a change or two everyone will love that right wrong they're not that excited at all and the product and marketing people start asking questions Do you realize how large the effort will be to make the change? Don't you know that we're working on other things? Why don't they use another approach? Our solution can probably do what they want, but just not the way they want it. How much are you going to charge for this? How many other prospects have asked for this? We've never heard it before. Is this a sure thing? And this one. What do you want us to give up in our product roadmap to do this? We can't do everything. So you complain to your boss and say that you just don't know if you're going to be able to meet your quota without this deal. And that this deal will open the floodgates for other deals. And you say, what about listening to the customer in the market? We say we do that around here, but it doesn't feel like it to me right now. Your boss says you've got good points and commits to working on it. He's been there before, and he understands what you're going through. Plus, he has a sales quota too. This might help. He goes to the CEO. She sides with the sales guys instead of product management and marketing. Um, She has sales objectives, too. You're told to tell the prospect, yes, we can do it. Victory! Victory! So the product folks start working. They don't like it at first, but product folks generally like a challenge. And you've given them a good one. They put hours into the mods. Finally, an RFP is issued. An eagle-eye review of the specs doesn't find the change your company has been working on. That's okay. You know they want it. They just left it off. And you can introduce the new feature in your response. That should give you a competitive advantage, right? You give them very favorable pricing. Your response followed all the rules, and the package looked downright spiffy. You're feeling good about your response. You wait. Follow up when appropriate. Still nothing. Then one day, you get a letter. You think it's an invitation for an oral presentation. At least you hope it is, but it's not. You're thanked for your interest in hard work, but you weren't chosen. How could that be? Well, at least they've agreed to a debriefing where you'll be given a tabulation of the votes of the deciding committee, and they're going to let you ask some questions. You find out that a competitor scored higher than you on some items, you higher on others. Your pricing was even a bit lower. It was close, but you lost. Then you ask, what about our new feature, coming soon, that you told us prior to the RFP that you really wanted? Oh yeah, that, they say. We like that. But the truth is that the winner had another way of solving the problem just as well. As the news spreads in the company, folks aren't happy. The company had invested time and resources into a feature that really wasn't needed. And as they did that, their other work fell behind. Promises on the product roadmap weren't going to be met. The company's solution, which had been a market leader, started falling further and further behind. Frustrations grew, and cash flow started getting tight. Okay. It wasn't your deal that caused all of that alone. There were others. In fact, this had become a pattern for the company. You know what the company did? It dug in deeper and deeper into their commitment that customer needs would be met at all cost. Employees who solve customer problems with their solution would be celebrated as heroes, particularly if they worked after hours. Balloons were blown up, signs were plastered on the walls, beer was served, the support desk grew and grew, mostly to solve problems the company had created. I guess they didn't notice that if they'd built it right in the first place and not become distracted by the next shiny thing, they wouldn't have had so many customer solution problems to solve. The company's culture had changed, and it wasn't for the better. The company had panicked. It lost track of its thoughtful approach to the solution. Instead, it focused on feature requests that seemed to be urgent and fixing solution problems they had created. The company eventually pretty much disappeared. You might be surprised how often we've heard this story. Don't get me wrong, you have to listen to customers, but maybe the difference is how you listen. In the story I told today, Something someone in the government said led a sales rep to hear an urgent feature request. Had the rep asked the right questions and really listened, he would have heard a problem-solving request. It wasn't the feature that really mattered in the end. It was the solution to a problem. At some point, the rep could have told the prospect that, no, we don't offer that feature, but can we look deeper at the problem you're trying to solve? If we do that, Would you be willing to look at another approach? Almost no one would say no to that. If they do, there's probably some other reason they don't want to listen. And it may be that you haven't established trust. In our study of qualities of top-performing sales reps, we found seven common traits. One was that top performers don't mind saying no to a prospect or client. They're willing to disagree with a prospect when it's in the buyer's best interest. They generally want to see the prospect and others treated justly. Sometimes that means saying no. Go to the GovSelling.com website and request a copy of the white paper on this study if you like. I argue that you really won't have credibility or a trusting relationship in government sales until you say no somewhere in the discussions. The answer is never always yes. Did I say that correctly? The answer is never always yes. Yeah, that's right. In other words, no is an acceptable answer sometimes. Not only will saying no sometimes make your marketing and product management people happy, it may help you sell. Thanks and good luck. You're still listening, so you must be interested in building your government sales. Want more? I'm Rick Wimberly, and I'm now offering customized coaching sessions for you and or your government sales team. They'll be tailor-made for your particular quest. Go to the GovSelling.com website or email Rick at GovSelling.com. Rick at GovSelling.com.